The Flash is no genre-redefining masterpiece and it's unlikely to appeal to viewers who aren't already bought into superhero oeuvre, but it's a much better movie than what's being advertised. Couldn't agree more. Dylan Roth of Observer, we're talking about The Flash. I laughed. I got a recent tweet from a guy who said, listen, love the pub. You're kind of turning into a Kornheiser when it comes to superhero movies. I said, I love Tony Kornheiser. Thank you for the compliment. But yes, <laughs> I hear you. I, I, you're calling me a crank. I'm, I'll, I'll wire it because it's Kornheiser. But I'll tell you right now, I like The Flash. I'll tell you why I actually enjoyed it. A superhero movie, which I think we can all enjoy. Of, of greater consequence is this. No wild card, because my dear friend, the great John LeBoy, who's one of the best camera people we have at MLB Network, very quickly we realized we were huge cinephiles. So much so he told me, like he, he studied film, and one of his teachers is Andrew Saris. Andrew Saris is one of the three most important film critics in the history of America. It's Roger Ebert, it's Pauline Kael, it's Andrew Saris. So the fact he was like, dude, Andrew Saris is one of my teachers. I'm like, oh my God. Then we get to talking foreign films. He has an extensive library. He and I still collect DVDs, Criterion Collection. So the other day he comes in my office, I just walks in four foreign films. I'm like, oh my God. And I'm so excited for Krzysztof Kieślowski, the great Polish filmmaker. He's like, here you go, dude. Here's No End and Camera Buff, two movies he loves. And he goes, I also got this one for you. I go, what's this? He goes, Man Bites Dog. I go, hmm. I go, I don't think I've, I've heard of this one. He goes, it was at the Cannes Film Festival, 1992. I think you'll dig it. I'm like, all right. So we're going to review those three films. The fourth film he gave me, not good. I love the boy. Kings of the Road is from Jim Vendors, a great German filmmaker. I watched half of it before Yankees Red Sox yesterday, and it's a three-hour movie. I said, I I'm not going to keep watching this. I'm going to text him right now. I, I watched. If you watch 90 minutes of a three-hour movie and it's not working for you, I think you're like, you know what? I think we can go ahead and punch yeah. this one. So we're not going to talk Kings of the Road. But the greatest news of the week is the fact that Cody just told me when he saw that Man Bites Dog was NC-17, he gave it a glimpse and you are more than halfway through this movie. So I, I cannot wait. We have three foreign films to discuss and the flash. You did not see the flash, but you have seen one of the foreign films we're going to discuss. Yep. So a plus work at a Cody on an NC 17 movie, no wild card this week, but I just taped an interview with Michael Sarah while Chris was gone in Vegas. Guys. Great. We had arrested development stories. I uh, didn't talk super bad, but talked about this is the end. And of course, the movie that he's promoting, which is called The Adults. But that movie's not coming out until the summer. So we're going to have to hold that interview until August. So two months from now, get ready for Michael Sarah. I do have a couple of shots. My boy Cavi's birthday today. I love him. He's the best. Cabral Richards. He's a featured part of Hockey in Canada. We've been friends since 96. He's a devoted follower of Cinephile. And uh, he's so funny and so entertaining. He also listens to the Samson back and forth. He enjoyed the latest top five in case you missed it. Although he he was impressed. Samson came hard at number five with Thelma and Louise, but he agreed that my list was better, particularly usual suspects at number one. But he also commented on the Patricia Heaton interview from a week ago. Fantastic stuff from Patricia Heaton. Now, Cody, I know you were editing it, but my, my friend Cab was quite taken with uh, her commentary, particularly on working with directors, doing second takes. I mean, pretty good interview, and I thought her, her information was excellent. But she also set a record easily, easily in the 250 episodes we've done. I don't even know. I've lost track. The most abrupt goodbye I've ever had of a guest. It was incredible. Yeah. It was, and it's, I think visually, I don't know if you caught it, like on the podcast, we have imaging music, so it doesn't really do justice. We were like, oh, what a nice interview. I'm for sure there's going to be a minute here of like, cause usually it's goodbye on the show and then a minute of just, oh, that was great. Thanks. Oh, wait, wait, let's, let's. And it was just, I think we might get that. And she was gone by the time she said, thanks for having me gone. Bam. Like instantaneous, like big smile. She looked fantastic. Great content. Wham. I go, she is not messing around. Maybe the next Zoom's coming up. Maybe she didn't like talking to me. Maybe it was all insincere. I'm not sure. But I love talking to Patricia Heaton and Jennifer Esposito. It should be annoyed. Did linger a little bit longer. I mean, listen, Natalie Eva Marie was like five minutes. We started talking about, you know, WWE, the Giants, whatever. So you're right. Normally you get a minute, right? Ray gave us at least two minutes. He's your family member, for God's sake. It's honestly better than the opposite because I, I can't think of names, but we've had times where it's wow. like, 
I can you tell and the, the name right now. You, you and somebody just nerding out. We're like five minutes after. I'm just like, is this thing? Is this the longest goodbye I'll, in history? I'll give you the name right now. You remember who it was? It was Jim Belushi. Oh yes. Oh, we like left it in. Did we leave it in? No, I think you took it out. I go, you got to keep this in. He kept going. He finished. And I go, it was great. And then I brought up Mammoth. He goes, oh my god, David Mammoth. Now we're going five minutes. You can't wait to get out. I got to go pick up my son. So I literally got up, and he's like, well, it looks like you got to leave. I go, well, I got to go pick up my son from preschool. Yeah, but he's like, you keep... guys are leaving. Yeah. Where are you going? Like, like, you can call me if you want to keep talking. I, I'm I'm happy to keep this conversation going. But <laughs> it was awesome. He, he was easily the most entertaining and the most engaged after the interview. So props to Jim Belushi again. Thank you, Patricia Heaton and Jennifer Esposito. I hope Jennifer Jennifer's film gets picked up it just played at Rebecca film festival um so hopefully she'll get some distribution there patricia Eaton obviously talking about mending the line new film starring brian cox hopefully people will check that out i also got to give a shout out to my buddy scott spinelli it's very hard to make friends as you're an adult as we discussed i moved to new jersey as a 40 year old man i've got four kids everybody at work they've already they're, they're all new york new jersey guys primarily speaking they've already got their families their infrastructure it's tough when you're a new guy so scotty and i bond because of a shared friend of serena morales serena and i have great friends from espn scott's known her his whole life so there's a connective tissue. You know, Serena, yep, I know her. But okay, we start talking, whatever. I hang out at the gym. We start making fun of coworkers. Okay, that seems like a good commonality. And I said, listen, man, you're funny as hell. We got to go and hang sometime. He's like, yeah, sure. And as he said to me, because I'm figuring you're full of shit. You're like, yeah, I'm going to hang out. Sure. I'm like, no, no, seriously, I want to hang out. You're funny as hell. And I said, what I'd like to do is go to a comedy club. I said, I haven't seen live comedy in New York City since COVID. And this guy is like you. Like, he loves stand up. He knows yeah. comedy. Like, um, my buddy Hoosh and I have not stopped laughing. The Bill Hader, Casey Kasem. You know the backstory to this, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Do you or no? I like no, how you're no, saying Bill Hader. Okay. No, no, Bill Hader, I do. Because I listened to it again on SmartList, the one that Hader was on, and Scott knew exactly I've seen what him was interviewed on it. Yeah. yeah, so Hader has always said, he goes, you know, there's some stuff that we do that doesn't get picked up. And he goes, John Mulaney, who's the funniest writer ever, did a sketch, because Dana Carvey's there, who's been doing Casey Kasem ever since he came out of the womb. We did a bit about Casey Kasem and his, and his son, how they have a bad relationship. And he goes, who's at the door? It's Jay Kasem. And he's like, <laughs> you're a horrible son. Why don't you stop drugs? <laughs> and which female artist had the most number one of the 90s? <laughs> <laughs> and as Will or Dad said, he goes, I'd be on the floor laughing. Sorry. And and Hater and I were like, we were shocked. He goes, it, it didn't play. He goes, address, nobody laughed. And Melania are like, what? Like, this is this is the funniest thing ever. So that sketch has never aired. And I'm telling you right now, I would pay $1,000 to go. Oh. <laughs> it sounds that funny but to watch this. So anyways, I'm saying this to Spinelli. And he goes, there's a place to go in New York City. It's called The Cellar. He goes, it's the best deal in Manhattan. We're going to go. Two drink minimum. He's gonna have a couple of Bud Lights, have a couple of Diet Cokes. It's gonna cost us like twenty five bucks. Like, Are you serious? He goes, and it's six comedians, and it's like on a Wednesday night. So normally I'm with Harold, obviously doing the show weekdays, but I, I found a day I was I said it Wednesday. Now I'm such a baseball nerd. That day I'm like, oh my god, Subway Series, Verlander, Cole. I'm like, hmm, kind of want to watch the game. Oh, the I'm, cellar. I just looked it up. This is a famous one. This is where Ray Romano did his New York one a few years ago. As we sat there, we started seeing the. I'm like, oh my god, Gary Shandling. He's like, no, dude, this is a famous place. A lot of comedians come to the cellar. Again, if you're from Toronto, you would know what Yuck Yucks is. I'm sure if you're Miami, you know what whatever eh, the prominent comedy. No, Miami okay. Improv, yeah. Right. No, Miami Pro Improv, sure. LA, the comedy store, right? The laughing, whatever the hell. So like yeah. there's always these places. So he's like, the seller, he goes, trust me, this is famous. So the thing is, he goes, originally we didn't have a lineup. We meet at some uh Philly restaurant, Wogies, I think it was. I had to get a cheesesteak salad. He goes, What the hell is that? I go, I'm trying to limit carbs because I, I can't believe I'm sitting with you. I said, I'll go cheesesteak <laughs> with a salad. He goes, That's embarrassing. So we go to the comedy place. And again, you don't know who, like, we have no idea. And the, the woman comes out, okay, you know, typical Jewish jokes. Here we go to the gate. Yeah, New York audience. How many Jews are here? Okay, sure. Yeah. Like, here we go. Couple of, and the first guy comes up. He's not great, but good closing jokes. My guy's not bad. And again, you got to think here, right? Cody and I are approaching this the same way as my buddy Spilling and I did. You're paying $25. And for 20, I, I'm not going to focus on the 40 for parking. Let's just go $25 yep. just to hang out with, for six comedians. <laughs> 
second guy's fighter. And then they say Andrew Schultz. And he taps me because he's exactly your reaction. If someone knows stand up, they go, dude, he's a pretty big name. And he's hilarious. Edgy, dark. He's big in podcasting, too. Got a huge yeah. podcast. He goes, if we saw Schultz, this would be like 100 bucks to go see him to do stand up. I go, really? Yep. Like, Absolutely. Because we're getting 25 bucks. And he did like, he did at least a 15 minute set. Yeah, he's working on stuff. That's where those guys go to like, that's where they're they're crafting their specials. That's, right. that's the good stuff, man. I love because you get the you get them just be like, I'm just trying something. Here you go. And yeah. they'll just like, it's cool to see these like big names just working on stuff. Yeah, I, I forget the other ones. There was one guy, uh, Mike Feeney, I think is his name. Kind of like Jim Carrey, his delivery, his face, really funny. Another guy was hysterical. I did not think he'd be that good. He was the second last guy. Amazing. Like every joke hitting. Um, and then the last guy was Steve Byrne, who I think you know his name. If you Google him, you'll know who he is. Not bad, but like you think for the closer, he'll be the funniest. And maybe he's the closer because he's the most famous. But I, what I appreciate him, he's kind of doing like, you know, Leno style, like just set up punchlines, set up oh, punchlines. Yeah, I've seen this guy, yeah. So he's literally just going like, hey, did you hear guys in Alabama what happened today or latest news coming out of Missouri? Like it was, it was very Leno-esque, like a classic monologue. But what I didn't like about it was every time the audience didn't laugh, he then referenced it. And I'm like, Listen, I love self-referential. The Larry Sanders show is a show about a television show. So I like humor like that. But you can't every time go, come on, guys, you're not going to laugh because that's funny. No, come on. Wait. Okay, right. I guess that one bomb. Like, no, no, just, just do the joke. If there's no laugh, you go to the next joke. Like, yeah. That's it. That's how you do it. You don't go, oh, weird. my God, what's wrong with you guys? Come on. What, yeah. A bunch of communists, what, the yeah. teachers in the audience. Like, just, just go. Go to the next joke. It's okay. Not every joke lands. As you just said, you're working on material. So just follow it. Go, that's it. That joke didn't land. Okay, next one. Boom. You can do it a couple of times, and that's it. I love how we go watch comedians work out in a way that we like that that'd be like if we went and just watched LeBron James at the gym like if there were seats and you could pay 25 bucks all yeah. you can drink and it's like this is just right. LeBron practicing basketball actually yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's hilarious you're right it's kind of like watching batting practice like nobody goes to watch PP but if you're like oh, I just want to kind of say guys get loose kind of stretch out a little bit if you that's like the art you're there to yeah. see the craft you want to like see oh I'm watching I saw this joke now if you see Andrew Schultz's special yeah you can be like I actually saw the birth of that joke he built it out so much now like it's if you're a comedy nerd, you're like really into yeah. that stuff. So I told Spinelli, I said, this is a quarterly occasion now. We are going to the cellar every three months. It's happening. That's a great place for comedy. If you're in Manhattan, I didn't realize it's like the best deal. And as Chris even knew, as a big comedy fan, Romano played there. I mean, they should look comedians. Trust me. Chris Rock's been there. Eddie Murphy's been there. The cellar, very popular place in the West Village. So if you like your live comedy, check it out. The How far is that? How far is that for you? Good, good question. So I was like, well, left my house at 6.05. Got there like 7.30. Like it was like an hour 25, like brutal. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's all timing, right? Normally to get to Manhattan, 35, 40 minutes. No traffic, 45, 50. But a day like that, rush hour, you're getting yeah, smoked. Yeah, yeah, um, Back to the best tweet of the week. The one was pretty good, but the one I got the best one was, unfortunately, there's going to be some layoffs at ESPN. That's not the tweet that I like. And we hope that everyone's going to be okay. And of course, Chris and I have a lot of friends. I hope they're okay. But one that was let go is Chris Chelios. Now, Chris Chelios is a great guy. And I worked him at the World Cup of Hockey, me, him, uh, Brett Hall. But apparently he's not going to be back under you know ESPN's news. That's obviously not good news. I feel for Chris. Hope he's okay. I'm sure he's saved well. Played 20 years in the NHL. But the tweet someone said was, they quote to the go, damn, they got Adnan again. And I could not stop laughing. So <laughs> this is a good opportunity for me to explain my Chris Chelios story because I immediately retweeted it. If I could have retweeted it 10 times, I would have. I said to Sagats, he started laughing. He goes, oh, it wasn't enough for them to fire you once and to fire you again. So this is the Chelios story because there's some people like, I don't understand the story. I'm in Detroit airport. 
shorts, black t-shirt, Team Canada hat, which again, if you know Chris Chelios, the first time I met him, someone goes, I don't know why they do this. They go, oh, Adrian's Canadian. I'm like, oh, don't mention that. He's not going to like that. He's American. And right away he goes, oh, fine, you're Canadian? He's like, oh, Jesus. Like his whole <laughs> life he's played Canadians. And generally speaking, Canadians have won. So he does not like Canada. There's, he's USA hockey all the way. So, oh, you're Canadian. Yeah. I mean, let me guess, you played junior, but your shoulder hurt. I go, oh, I, I was never a good hockey player. I'm not going to lie. So I'm wearing a Team Canada hat. Again, if you know Chris Chelios, you would not be wearing a Team Canada hat. Black shirt, shorts. I'm wearing, uh, reading the Tiger Woods biopic, which uh, Armin Katan had sent me for free. Very good book. I'm not a golf guy, but I love it. It's a very good book. And all I hear is, excuse me, Mr. Chelios, can I get a picture? And I look up and it's two grown men, mid 40s. And I realize very quickly, they think that I'm Chris Chelios. So, so immediately I snap into it. I go, sure, no problem, guys. Stand up. We take a picture. I'm like, oh, this is great. And the one guy says, this is going on the mantelpiece for sure. I go, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And the other guy says, <laughs> the other guy says, oh, yeah. And I said, I said something like, oh, you got, and I, because I think it's Chelios is a black guy. I go, oh, you guys big Blackhawks fans? They're like, oh, no, Red Wings. I go, oh, of course, we're in Detroit. Yeah, yeah. And then I started talking fast. I go, no, no, Chelios talks very slow. If I'm Chris Chelios, I have to talk like him. They might figure out that I'm not Chris Chelios. So I'm like, yeah, well, good talking to you guys. Like, it was really good, good talking to you. And all right, be well. Like, that's how Chelios talks, kind of drawn out, a little deliberate. Like, all right, cool. So they walk away, and I'm like, I, I've got to tell the story. So I told the story on Mike and Mike, and Mike Golick had the best line, which was to the guy saying, I can't wait to put this on the mantelpiece. Who is the guy that's going to walk in their house and go, why do you have a picture of Adnan Verk from your fireplace? Oh, my God. That is such a great – somebody will eventually be like, dude, you know that's <laughs> not Chris Chelios. <laughs> so when I worked with Chelios, to pay this off even further, this story happened after. But when we did work together, the second that we worked, he did look at me and kind of give me a side eye and go, yeah, we do kind of look alike. And I was like, yeah, he goes, no, my wife said to me last week, she goes, that guy kind of looks like you. And I was like, yeah, he goes, because I like the fact you're dark. And I go, thanks. I goes, no, he goes, being Greek, he goes, like, I'm always the darkest guy in the room. So like with hockey guys, they're always busting my chops. He goes, I like the fact you're dark. I'm like, well, I like the fact you're a great player. So if you want to put a side by side of me, Chris I mean, Chalice. it's, it's pretty close, man. It's like you <laughs> after like, it's like you after a Vegas trip, like, like partied <laughs> out. Adnan is what Chris Chelios looks like. <laughs> Just a beat up look at Chris Chelios. Like my brother finds it hysterical because he's like, yeah, we grew up as hockey fans because I can't believe people think you look like Chris Chelios. I go, look like they, they, I was confused. I was taking a picture with two men who were like, that's Chris Chelios. As a matter of fact, Ben Boma, who was working on the crew, he dared Steve Levy. He said, when you go back to the studio, you have to say, let's go back to the studio alongside Chris Chelios and Brett Hall. Here's Chris Chelios. <laughs> <laughs> It'll get a huge laugh if you do it. Levy didn't have the balls to do it. Oh. Total garbage nonsense, but it would have been a great laugh. You just brought up you talking fast, and it reminded me, did you notice listening back to last week's episode that w when you were by yourself recording the intro, that you came out of the gate just a little slower? Yeah, you gotta I, listen I didn't back. notice. No, I, I never listened back. I listened back to some of the interviews. I'll never listen to my stuff, no. No, it, it honestly was fine, and it wasn't good or bad. It was just a noticeable... Yeah, I, I was like, I heard the clip, and if you listen to like the start, the very first words of last week's episode, it's more of like a chill Adnan. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm reading this review, and usually right. it's like, here we are, I'm right here. Like it was flying like, out of the gate. I, I'm not even saying what's this. Like I think I like your normal energy. I'm so used to it. It was almost right. jarring how slow how slow you were. <laughs> I was like, what's happening? But it was just I was just like recording like editing it i was like definitely noticeable difference yeah it's probably again i don't see the audience right it would be go back to our stand-up point but the guy's just doing stand-up he's working on his material if he sees an audience boom you're my audience i'm like i gotta i gotta come yeah. out of the gates let's get to really the heart of the matter you were not with us last week for those who were not here horrible news for cody both the panthers and the heat lose and as i had said to you the heat i was not cheering for because the nuggets and jamal murray obviously would have been happy if miami won for you guys but i was cheering for the nuggets i was happy but the panthers i really wanted that for you guys i'm like you know what 
I have no loyalty to Vegas. I'm loyal to you. You're my friend. Roy's my friend. Mike is obviously really pushing hard for the Panthers. And the fact that you went to Vegas for game five and got to see your team lose 9-3, and it brought me back the Flyers when I saw them in 97. Thankfully, I wasn't at the game, but they got swept against the Red Wings. Darren McCarty at this very famous goal in Hextall. Like, I would have just, I still wants me to want to kill somebody. The fact you were actually at that game, I mean, how painful was, was that? It was brutal. I mean, I, there's no other way to put that. I ended up, like, you know, talking myself into, okay, you're going to see the cup get lifted. You're still here. Like, you know, hey, this this Vegas city, they put in a good six hard years for this, all right? They deserve this. Um, but no, I mean, it, it, hey, we're getting better as the Panthers. 96, we got swept, Ooh. and now we've won one game. So we're just we're taking baby steps. But I'm already bored with how... All I've been saying for three months is how much fun this run is. So yeah. I don't want to just sit here again and be like, this was a lot of fun, but it was a lot of fun. And it sucks that they both farted in the final. Yeah, for both teams, right? Like, I, I'm with you. Like, some people go off, you're going to lose, you're going to lose. Like, no, but if, if the Heat lost in seven, I'm like, all right, like, I'll, I'll take it. I mean, if, 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 if Florida look back at that series, like, I think they gave up like 28 goals. Like, that's crazy. It was like game three, the only game you won. Thankfully, you were at that game. So you saw that game where they did come back. So that's nice. You have the memory of, I get to see a Stanley Cup final win for my yeah. team. But as you said, but good news is this, Marlins. Marlins 10 games Dude. above 500. First time since 2011. Like the best the Marlins have been in 12 years. Arise is going to win a batting title. They're not actually good though, right? Like I haven't been watching because I, like, I just don't have time. Games. A lot <laughs> yeah. of one-run wins, which is always feels like, yeah, it's going to go the other way. But, but Sandy's been bad. So it's correct. like, if we can get Sandy going, maybe we, there is another level that we can take this thing. Correct. Lazardo's been really good. Solaire's hitting a bunch of home runs. But you're right. If Sandy was actually good, I'd feel better about their prospects. But let's go Marlins. We'll be fired up. Yeah. All right, let's talk a little movies now, shall we? Um, the Flash. I go in really skeptical. My son, Adina, had actually gone with his friends. I know I told the story recently. Oh, I forgot to pay that off. So last time, remember where I went and uh, I took six kids, three of my own, and then the loud kids got thrown out. Yeah. When I went to the front and I was praising the manager, as we're talking, he kind of gave me a side-eyed look and then walked and came back. Thankfully, didn't say, are you Chris Jellios? But he goes, is this yours? And he gave me the money clip that I had lost like two months ago. Oh, my God. I knew it. I knew it was here. And what? I look at the, and I look at the woman. I go, are you kidding? And she's like, I go, remember, I told you. I go, it's here. I saw like a freaking same lady working. Yeah, I went right. At her. She's the only one I ever see. That. I go, hey, I go, hey, it's your fault. I go, I saw a nine o'clock movie. I left. I went home the next morning. Not even I remembered. I'm like, I knew it was here. Like who? There was three people in the theater unless the cleaner literally ripped it off, which let's be honest. I knew the hundred bucks was not going to be in the wall, which is fine. She took the hundred bucks. Whatever. The money was gone. Money's gone. I knew that by all. Uh, <sighs> the manager took it. Maybe he saw me because let me just take the money first. Is this yours? Yeah. But I said, there's the money clip. And she goes, oh, my God. I go, I knew it was here. I go, I've, I know, I'm telling I'm telling my kids, like, why are you so excited? I go, because I knew it. I it didn't make sense. <laughs> I it love you walking back to this lady. See this yeah. thing? Yes, I told you yeah. it was here. <laughs> yeah. I go, I told you. The next day I came back. I'm like, oh, the cleaners didn't find it. I'm like, no, it had to be here. I should have come back again the next day. Because then it's like, well, it's worthless. I go, it's not worthless. These cards are worthless. Yes, I've already canceled these. I have a CIBC debit card, my Canadian credit card, my my Bank of America. Yeah, no, these are all gone. But the, the, the actual money clip I do like, which I've now gone back to using, I, I got my new money clip. I go, eh, I don't need this. I'm going back to the old money clip. And I've been vindicated by the fact my wallet was there all the time. I'm going back to the old money clip. Anyways. That's great. This time, thankfully, one of the parents of those kids, the kids had mentioned to my son, Dean, hey, we're going to go see a movie. And I said, no, no, those parents are paying this time. So I made sure I texted the kid. I go, hey, you're bringing a Dean, right? You guys are going to see some movie Friday? He's like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, great. Mom texts me like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. And I tell, I said to them, hey, make sure that they, you know, because my wife's like, um, I said, they're going to pay. I paid twice now for this kid. <laughs> so I said, make sure you give it Dean money just in case your popcorn and slushy. Sure enough, they did pay for the ticket, did not pay for the popcorn and the slushy. So I was like, 
Uh, thanks for taking my kid. But just to be clear, I, I take the tickets and the snacks. So and the other part was Adina told me is they're going to go see Transformers. I'm like, great. I have no interest in it. I believe there's a gorilla involved. Awesome. Optimus Prime. We had our boy on Anthony Ramos. He comes back because I saw the flash. I go, no, we were seeing the flash. Father's Day. Come on. He's like, no, I already saw it. I go, you know, what? I'm glad you saw it with your friends. At least we, we spare the ticket. So Yusuf, who just walked in the doors, he's done from his high school finals today. I said, you're going to come. He's like, I'm not interested. I go, you don't want to see the flash. You're a 15 year old kid. No interest. He's like, nope. I said, Michael Keaton. I know that means nothing to you. He's like, no, I go, All right, well, <laughs> thank God, as always, you look at who come through, Shaz De Niro. My boy Shaz is six years old, will not say no to dad. He's fired up. All right, so just me and Shaz. It's just father and son. And I realized, I'm like, if I was Chris Cody, if I had one child, you know how easier my life is? I go, this is incredible. One kid? I, we just go there. We just have a conversation. I buy the ticket. Shaz, you want popcorn? Yeah. Shaz, you want slushy? Great. You want He'll go back sit there Shaz, the man? whole time in the movie. Just me and him. It's fantastic. Six? Like he'll sit there the whole time. He oh, never yeah. gets antsy. He never like wants point, to leave. Go to the now he's chatty. He'll start talking random sports stuff. Like, oh, when are the Flyers playing? I'm like, well, we're not playing till October, buddy. Hey, let's watch the Seattle <laughs> okay. Who are the Eagles playing? I'm like, we're playing the Patriots week one. Okay, September 10th. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think he gets a little distracted. But, but and I used to do, do you want to go to the bathroom? You want to do time out? No. I went to the bathroom. Like I was like, I, when I get a little bored, I'm like, you know what? I'm 45. I'm going to go to the bathroom. He did no bathroom break. Six year old kid hung in for the flash, finished the slushy. We crushed a large popcorn to everybody out there with one child. Uh, hats off to you. You're doing it. I have four kids. You are doing it right with one child. Much, much easier to go to the movies with one kid. Man, I, my daughter's five and like she, I've taken her into a few movies and she gets antsy. Like you're just, maybe you're at Nan Virk, So he's learned this movie way. Like <laughs> he's, my daughter's gone to so few movies that she's still like, you know, an hour in, even if she's into yeah. the movie, she'll start just being like, when's this over? Mm. Like, can I, can I see your phone? And it's like, no, I'm not, we're not doing, I'm not going to be the parent that gives the kid a device in the movie theater to keep no, her occupied. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, so I'm like, all right, we'll just leave. Like, I don't know. Like my daughter, she, she's, she's struggled to but... sit through movies, but right. she, you know, maybe that year, maybe, maybe next year she'll be better. I hope so. Cause I'm like, tell me if it's father daughter time, grow the movies. I mean, it, that's going to be a win for everybody. Just get, yeah. I think the key is snacks. You're giving, I'm sure you're giving her popcorn. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, she's for just, sure. Yeah, yeah. But she's, once she finishes it, she's like, yeah, I've had right. Enough. Like once the popcorn's done, once she's lost all that of like, what can I eat? It's just kind of like, are we doing this still? It's dark. One here. thing, if I look back at it now, I wouldn't say any antsy, but a couple of times, I don't think he actually said this is boring, but I can tell maybe a little bit kind of like, are right, we almost there? I think he had to say how much, I think he did say how much time is left at one point. A couple of times, yeah. how much is left? I go, there's a half hour left. Okay, hang in there, buddy. No problem. Yeah. Just curious. It's like a road trip. How much time is left? Two minutes? No problem. Yeah. He wasn't complaining, but I did look and I go, 3.15, the movie ended, 12.45, start 15 minutes of trailers. So I may have to just start going, you know what? I'm going to skip these trailers. Most of these are garbage. I'm going to walk in right at one o'clock and not miss a thing. Yeah. 2.15, we're good to go. Let's get to the flash. So I go in skeptically. I completely agree with the guy who tweeted me saying, you'll become a cornhizer in these superhero movies. Maybe just stop watching them. I'm like, you know what? Good advice. I'm not going to watch the new Mission Impossible. We'll get Mike Ryan to review next month. I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> not going to be 14 bucks to watch Tom Cruise. That's a great advice by that tweet. But this time, The Flash, I got to see it for two reasons. I like how you, Shannon, you have Mission Impossible being a superhero movie, movie also. Any, any of these super <laughs> movies that I have no interest in, I'm like, I'm right, just I got pass. you. Yeah, okay. Because Skipper told me it was now two years ago we had breakfast. And the only thing he's ever given me advice in the podcast was he goes, whatever the number one movie is, you have to go see it. And I said, but John, some of these movies are awful. Goes, How do you oh, say I, it, though? How do you say it? Well, he say goes, it? I think to get the maximum audience, you need to watch whatever the number one film in the in the market is. And I go, but John, some of these movies are such garbage. He's like, I, I couldn't disagree with you. But what's the number one movie right now? I go, Free Guy. I go, it's okay. Ryan Reynolds basically ripped off Truman Show. But he's Canadian. I watch. He's like, yeah, you got to watch Free Guy. I go, John, you would never watch it. No, I would not. I, I could not have no interest in that. I go, I go you love Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, Lawrence of Arabia is one of my favorite films. Exactly. So we do new old wild card. I, I, don't, I don't disparage that. I, I completely agree with your affinity for old films. Is that market you speak of the farmer's market? 
<laughs> Particularly down in South Carolina, I'm sure that Lawrence of Arabia will be well received. Um, so, what I really liked about The Flash is this: it's a superhero movie, but it actually has some heart. My issue with these movies is normally it's just all CGI. It's way too long. It's bloated. It's nonsense. This one actually has a heart. Here's the story for you: Barry Allen uses his super speed to change the past, but his attempt to save his family creates a world without superheroes, forcing him to run for his life in order to save the future. So. He's dealt with childhood trauma. The childhood trauma is his mother died. You see that in flashbacks. The Batman of this era is our boy Ben Affleck, donning the cape once again. And I've always said, I thought Affleck was fine as Batman. Didn't think he was bad. I think he was good. Sorry. And it's good to see him again as Bruce Wayne. I do like him as an actor. So he's showing up. We do have a cameo from Gal Gadot. You can feel DC, Ben. You know what? Fine. Everyone talks about Marvel. Marvel has like 15 great superheroes. We've got two. We got Batman. We got Superman and a bunch of crap. But whatever, we're gonna throw that crap out. We're gonna get the flash in here. We're gonna everything else we got. Like, well, let's just let's just put our superheroes in. This this will be our Avengers Endgame. And before I get to my review, the bad news is this: the movie has not done well financially. I know we don't like to discuss the financials, but it is interesting. It's kind of very similar to The Rock's performance of Black Adam. That movie had a two hundred million dollar budget, which means you got to go four hundred million worldwide to even break even. And I believe the Flash opened this weekend at something like fifty to sixty million, which is not going to be anywhere close enough to what they need. So probably not going to be a sequel, but he's going to go back to the past trying to save his mom. So he realizes, hey, if you mess with the past, it could affect the future. And I said, God, this sounds a lot like Back to the Future, space time continuum. Also, there's parallel past, different futures. And thankfully, they recognize it's right on the nose. It's exactly what this is like because there's mentions of Back to the Future. And one of the best jokes is after the current day Flash, played by Ezra Miller, goes back and interferes with his young Flash. Now, again, Marty McFly, if you remember Back to the Future 2, could not actually see young Marty. Doc kept saying, you can't actually see your son. In this version of a Back to the Future type scenario, the current day Flash is talking to his younger Flash, 18-year-old Flash who's in college, saying, hey, I'm you from the future. Here's what's going to happen, blah, blah. Does not tell him that their mom's going to die. He's just saying, I'm back to the past. We got to get you back to the future, blah, 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 et cetera. And at one point, he says, one of the characters, well, this is kind of like Back to the Future with Eric Stoltz. He's like, what? He's like, later on, someone else speaks. He goes, yeah, I kind of feel like Eric Stoltz. He goes, what are you talking about? It's Michael J. Fox. He's like, no, Back to the Future is Eric Stoltz, which was a good line because those who remember, the original version did have Eric Stoltz. And then he was fired after, I think, a couple of weeks because he lacked the comedic timing. He was too much of a dramatic actor for the movie. So Zemeckis fired him. They brought in Michael J. Fox. So at that point, Ezra Miller realizes, oh, my God, like I've not only messed up the past, now I've messed up a future. There is now a current day where Back to the Future stars Eric Stoltz and not Michael J. Fox. They make some other jokes from Space Time Continuum. Eventually, he says, okay, I'm going to go find out my old buddy Batman and figure out how do I rectify things? How do I get back to the future? He actually says, how do I get back to the future? He goes to a lair. I'm like, finally, go time. I check my watch. All right, it's 2.01. We're getting Michael Keaton. It took an hour to get to Michael Keaton. We're going to get to my guy. And it was great. I'm not going to spoil it. Just saying Michael Keaton back on camera. Phenomenal, funny, smart, witty. You've seen in the trailer, the part where the camera starts pushing in dramatically. Yep, I'm Batman. And oh. Later on, he also drops a very famous line. You, in the movie, you remember the original and it was funny. I was 11 years old when I saw Batman. My son, Dean, is 11 watching The Flash. And Rizzi goes, you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. Oh, and yeah. this time, maybe because he's 70 years old, he just goes, do you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, all right, subdued Michael Keaton getting nuts. But from there, I thought the movie really took off. Um, it was fun. It was fast. A little long, a little bloated. But I, I enjoyed the whole parallel universe and multiverse and other characters showing up. Could have used a lot more Michael Shannon. I was very excited that he was back as General Zod, but not a ton of him. But again, they bring up Superman, Superwoman. They, they start throwing in all these different characters. And above all, what I liked about The Flash is 
It's a superhero movie that has all the action, but also has a heart. It's also genuinely emotional. It's moving. It's about a guy trying to save his mom and trying to overcome the past childhood trauma. And at one point, you get Affleck talking about the childhood trauma of Batman. Michael Keaton talks about the childhood trauma of Batman. So I, I wouldn't quite say it was Oscar material, but I like the fact they actually tried to attempt a story and have some genuine emotion amongst all the flash and dash. A couple of reviews for you. Radion Simon Pillai of CTV's Your Morning. It's IP plugging for the easy-to-please fandom. Definitely not IP. And also Johnny Oleksinski, former guest here in Cinephile, The New York Post. A solidly entertaining, if predictable, time travel film that boasts something most DC movies sorely lack. A strong lead performance. He's right about that. Ezra Miller is very good. Again, if you want to look up the stuff at Ezra Miller, he also got there's a bunch of controversy about his behavior on set, apparently behaving badly. Again, I don't know what's new, what's not new, but there was controversy around him as well. But as far as his performance, I thought he was quite good in the film. The Flash, I'm giving it three Maple Leafs, a superhero movie that I liked surprisingly more than Spider-Man across the universe. We're going to come back. We're going to talk three foreign films, including one that Chris has watched most of and has enjoyed and agrees with me. It's very funny. It's about a serial killer and it's a comedy. That's next. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, thanks to John LeBoy, who physically handed me four foreign films and goes, here, enjoy. I go, great. <laughs> this sounds like a fun week for me. Man Bites Dog. A film crew follows a ruthless thief and heartless killer as he goes about his daily routine. But complications set in when the film crew lose their objectivity and begin lending a hand. I can't even say it with a straight face. It's so ridiculous and so ludicrous and yet so funny. This guy, this main actor who's playing the serial killer, just has this goofy-looking face and a way about a Benoit Polvourde who's playing Ben. And he's literally explaining his craft. Okay, I killed this guy the other day. Here's how I kill people. He's like, you know, it's like literally a documentary following along, telling his it's life like story. The Office, if The Office was about a killer. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> call. And it's like The Office. That shaky cam, winking kind of looks at the camera, kind of like cutaways and stuff. <laughs> it gets so ridiculous. At one point, he says he doesn't kill kids. He's like, there's too much work involved. He's like, you know, the guy's like, well, it could be some money. He's like, well, the, the, the kidnap, you're talking about the, kidna the kidnapping. Yeah, sometimes he says this while he's suffocating a kid. He's literally killing the child, explaining why he doesn't normally kill kids. In this instance, he has to suffocate a child. It's just too much work. He says how, like, you know, 
uh, you know, midgets are more denser. I, his yeah. term, I know little people is a correct term. His term he uses because he's like, they're more dense than kids. You got to put yeah. twice the rocks, you know, they have to yeah. sink them. At one point, and then, killed- no, that's the best part is like, he's like, old people, you can do this to sink them. <laughs> and then there's a clip of him pushing someone over a bridge and then they land and it's just like not deep at all. And it's like a body <laughs> clearly still in sight. <laughs> that was like one of the funniest parts of the whole film. <laughs> it's like two minutes setup of all the things he does to make a body sink. And yeah. then he pushes it over the bridge and it just blop <laughs> later on he kills this black guy and he goes he pulls in a shirt because i'm like oh look how hung this guy is and he goes he's 18 years old he's hung like a polar bear I'm like, oh, <laughs> just, just ridiculous moments at one point he sees a little girl walking he goes oh, look at her 10 years from now she'll be sucking dick like her mother yeah this was early 90s right yeah different time <laughs> 1992 an nc-17 film uh, it's just ridiculous. It's it's, it's ridiculous and funny. If if you're into just ridiculous and funny, you will definitely like this. Yeah, Dennis Schwartz. Dennis Schwartz movie reviews. It proves that a catchy title does not necessarily make for a good movie. So Dennis was not a fan. Rob Humanick, a projection booth. An important film, yes, but one frequently surpassed and out subverted. And Emmanuel Levy, who's always pretty good, misunderstood. The original Belgian film is a satirical stab at serial killers. Obviously. I would think. I'm not criticizing Emmanuel. Like, how can someone take this seriously? Our new cultural icons, the moral was misinterpreted by some critics. I mean, bah humbug. I, I know it won an award at the Cannes Film Festival. Normally it was offhand, but it'd been like an International Critics Prize. But 1992, Man Bites Dog. Where did you watch it, Cody? Max. I just you know, just set it into my uh, Comcast remote and it just popped up on Max. <laughs> That's great. I want people to watch Man Bites Dog on Max and I look forward to your reviews. Please tweet me your thoughts. We'll get through these in a, a real hurry here. No End from Kistoff Kishlovsky is one of my favorite filmmakers. His film, The Decalogue, is in my top 10 all time. Whenever we get canceled, my, we're now, by the way, two years here at Metal Arc. We've got a but 11 months left here on the contract. If at some point Bimmel tells me or Skipper's like, hey, it's not going to work out, like, no problem. We are going to review the Decalogue. Let me tell you about this movie, which is one of my favorite <laughs> movies of all time. Number 10 all time on the list. It's 10 one-hour films, and each part, each chapter is one of the Ten Commandments. So one is, you know, thou shalt not kill. One is thou shalt not commit adultery. Incredible movie. I think I saw it when I was 18. Ebert had done this special about like the great films. And I, oh my God, I got to see this movie. I don't even know how I found it. Like I, I remember I had to go like some VHS store in Toronto. I'm like, hey, do you have the Decalogue? They're like, what? I'm like, the de- it's a 10 hour Polish film. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we have it. I'm like you do? He's like, yeah. So you're saying it's the first series ever. I'm sorry. When something is 10 one hour movies, it's a series. No, but it's meant to be seen as one movie. <laughs> like if I had the 10 hours, I, trust me, I would watch the whole thing in sequence. It's incredible. Well, I mean, it's to me, it's a series, but I'm sure if you want to call it a limited (laughs) series in in today's vernacular, I hear you 10 one hour parts. That sounds like a series, but I'm done right now. It's one of the greatest movies of all time. You can say that about the Sopranos. It's meant to be watched in one thing. I'm telling you, it's just just 86 one hour movies. That's all it is, I suppose. But the point is, (laughs) unless unless we get canceled, unless there's a real outcry from people who are like, you've got to review the Decalogue. Trust me, I'm happy to do it. I just don't want to offend people like are you doing a 10 our Polish film here on the podcast. I'm like, well, kind of prefer you do Billy Madison. I'm like, well, whatever you need. Like, if the audience wants me to do it, I'll do it. But I'm telling you right now, the Decalogue is one of the greatest films of all time. If you're really inclined, you can read Roger Ebert's review of it, which is phenomenal. Anyways, that's Kishlowski's most important movie. He also did a trilogy called Red, White, and Blue. People may have heard of that. Red, he was nominated for Best Director. Uh, White, no, Blue stars Juliette Binoche. White's actually my favorite of the trilogy. I bet you Samson's definitely heard of it. If I mentioned Red, White, and Blue, I don't think he's seen the Decalogue. He would know where Red, White, and Blue is because in the mid-90s, people kind of knew about Kieślowski. So LeBoy knows I'm a big fan. He goes, dude, I'll give you his early stuff back when he was in Poland. Like, yeah, I'm like, all right. So No End is from 1985. 
This is around, I believe, when the Decalogue came out. We can look up the years. The wife of the recently deceased lawyer tries to cope with grief after his loss and to keep his last case going to court. I'll make this real quick. It's called No End. There was no end to this movie. I, I, I was really excited to watch it. And I'm like, mm, thumbs down on Kieslowski on this one. I'm giving it two beliefs. I just thought it was bland, plodding. You know, his movies are very dark. Like if you just think of Poland, what would you picture? Cold, gray, yeah. miserable. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of his movies. Like if you that, that's the decalogue. That, that's 10 hours of that. And no end was more of that type. I didn't find the political stuff as intriguing. I didn't think the supernatural elements were as enjoyable. What's nice is that all the actors, it's kind of like Wes Anderson. He uses all the same actors. I'm like, oh, I recognize that guy. I recognize that girl. That guy played this guy. So that's kind of cool to do. But as far as the film, it wasn't particularly entrancing. One scene, you know, this woman is dealing with the, the, the death of her husband. So she's trying to cope and stuff. She has sex with like this random guy, feels guilty about it. A couple of days later, she's playing with herself. And then her son starts yelling out to her. I'm like, what is going on right now? It was just a disturbing movie, but kind of feels like very 1980s Europe. Not a fan of it. However, camera buff, also from Kieslowski, fantastic. Here's the story. An ordinary factory worker buys a camera on the occasion of the birth of his child. I could see me and Cody doing that. The authorities I did that. Order him, I did that. Yeah, you bought a camera. Like, I got to record yeah. everything now. By mm -hmm. The authorities order him to make documentaries about the factory's success. But his endeavor to be truthful leads him to opposition against censorship. Like, this is a good dose of Kistov Kieslowski. He's going to give you a Poland, dark, miserable, communist, oppressive, political. So nice story, heartwarming story. Dad, one of the first things he starts filming her and she says, don't, don't record her naked. She's a woman. He's like, why can't I, I want to record everything in her life? He's like, no, no, you can't record girls and they're naked. Okay, fine. He starts recording your life, every little thing. Oh, you have a camera? Yeah. We need you to start recording some stuff here for us as well. And all of a sudden, the camera ends up taking over his life. He's this guy who's just obsessed with documenting everything and neglecting his wife, neglecting his daughter, neglecting his employer, because he just wants to record everything. And as the boy made a very good point to me as he texted because I, I think there's parallels to Kislasi's life. And that's why the movie's so good. 1979. I'm not sure you can find it. Maybe Amazon Prime. Someone told me Amazon Prime. Maybe I'll find it. Camera buff. I thought it was excellent. If you're a fan of his work, you'll enjoy it. I would pass on no end. And like Chris, go watch Man Bites Dog, NC-17 on Mac. Did you basically say that that movie maker is like the Adam Sandler of Poland because he puts all his friends in, in like it's just the same <laughs> no, people no, no. over and over again? I would again. say he's like Wes Anderson because Wes Anderson likes okay. using the same guys. And then he uh -huh. puts in a couple new ones, right? He's got his new movie, Asteroid City. You know, you're getting Jason Schwartzman from Rushmore. You know, yeah. you're getting those familiar faces. Ed Norton is going to show up for a cameo. Adrian Brody's going to show up for a cup of coffee. By the way, that cast is insane for Asteroid City. I'm sure it's going to be disappointing. We'll review it in a couple of weeks here in Cinefile. I'm but sure it'll be disappointing. Because this movie is like Royal Tenenbaums, amazing. Rushmore, amazing. And they just kept making the same movie. I'm like, dude, you, you got to do something else. Grand Budapest Hotel, uh, Darjeeling Limited, Life Aquatic. You know, he loves Bill Murray. I'm like, okay, can you do anything else? Like, is it just always <laughs> going to be quirky, weird, strange people with like these offbeat soundtracks? Or is that just your thing? That clearly is just his thing. But his cast is awesome. Tom Hanks is in the latest Wes Anderson film. That movie's coming out again in a couple of weeks. Uh, a few blurbs here for them. We'll say goodbye. No End from Vincent Camby. I suspect the story of how No End came to be made, how it speaks to Polish audiences, will be of as much interest to American audiences as the film itself. Um, camera buff. Much of the film means to be uproariously emotional, but the events we see seldom justify all the overwrought reactions. Jonathan Rosenbaum, a Chicago reader, suffused with Kieślowski's dry wit and intelligence. This early feature provides an excellent introduction to his work. Good call. And one more, James Bardinelli of Real Views. 
While Cameron Buff lacks some of the artistry evident in the director's later projects, it's worth seeing not only as an example of Kieślowski's early work, but as an important film in its own right. I, I feel like, you know, when you like a filmmaker, you like an actor, you go, I just want to see some of their early stuff. I know later in their career, they get better. If you want to mention Adam Sandler, I'm sure Adam Sandler got better. But if you see an early Adam Sandler movie, you go, okay, that's kind of what he was doing. Later on, no, he was better. better at the beginning. Billy yeah, Madison. So, Sandler shot his water. Yeah, better out of the gate. <laughs> then he started to suck. He's like Wes Anderson. Repetitive, same jokes. My God, God, it's still, Remember still Billy deep. Madison? That was the peak. Out of the gate, he came strong. Good boy, Adam Sandler. Uh, thanks so much for supporting Cinephile. Thanks for listening. Next week, Chris and I are both on vacation. I'm going to go yes. visit my brother and my nephews and nieces. My parents are coming off of Wisconsin. Go hit the lake. Go hit the beach. We'd love to go see a Brewers game. Brewers out of town, but we'll go to the, we'll go watch the Cubs. We'll go to Wrigley Field. I'll head up to David Ross. Cody is going to Seattle and then Alaskan vacation. That's I right, can't baby. wait. This is going to be incredible, dude. I love a cruise. Love love seeing something new. Let's oh, go to Alaska. Let's do I, it. I do. I think it's going to be incredible. I've always wanted to take an Alaskan cruise. So I look forward to stories and pictures. Thank you to all of you for the support. Again, I'll be on with Samson, I'm sure, later this week while I'm doing whatever the hell nonsense it is, but my list is better than his. Thank you for all the support. And lastly, to Billy Gill, who last week I chastised for not responding to my text. Immediately, somebody tweeted, why didn't you respond to his text? Immediately, Billy texted me. He's like, hey, sorry, I was at the game. What's up? <laughs> so he is off probation. Thank you for turning my text message. And I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. Until then, I'll see you at the movies. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.